Thank you for being a part of our service, and thank you for the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. I hope that you've had a good week. If you haven't, there's another one coming. Uh, Hopefully that you did have a good week, and uh, things are going good for you. And again, I want to thank you for being with us. If you're a first-time guest, again, thank you so much for joining us. If you are a member or a regular attendee, thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. But no, uh, again, thank you. Uh, my atten- intention this morning, as we continue on with our Yes You Can series, we started this a couple weeks back, and uh, again, the point of this series is really kind of an encouragement, and as uh, we've gone through a number of months now, and different things and different topics have been really internally uh, just, I guess, heart quest- heart-wrenching questions, I guess, really has been back to the basics type of a theme for really about a year as my preaching, but um, this series I really wanted to just encourage our church and those that are here with, you can do it. And one of my favorite verses is passages of scripture in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, I went back to that and I started the whole series off and I went through Philippians chapter 4 and I spoke through that whole, well a good part of that chapter there. And we've talked on a number of different things, but this morning as I was going through and thinking through all the different steps and stages that I wanted to go through with this Yes You Can series, my intention was to do boldness today. That Yes You Can, boldness. And I, uh, I started, I had a passage of scripture that I was going to go to, and as I was studying that passage of scripture, and then I was talking with people, the more that I shared, the more that it got longer and longer and longer. Um, and so I kind of broke this, the boldness message into a couple parts here, but in my own study and, and through talking out this message and the thoughts that I was having took me to a different, a little bit of a different place this morning. And so we're going we're gonna to start this morning and we're going to actually say, yes, you can. And the, the title of this morning is Seize the Moment. But the, the thought process behind this is, is going to take us to next week where we will be into boldness. And uh, I'll share that throughout the, the service this morning, but I feel that the church, and I'm talking really the more universal church, not just Oasis Baptist Church, we do a number of things right, we do a number of things that, that aren't right on and spot on, but some of the things I know, maybe it's just the churches that I have been a part of, and maybe it's just me, because I was a part of them, I don't know, but I feel oftentimes we have moments or opportunities that stand right in front of us, and so many times, we just kind of miss it. And many times as a church as a whole, we miss those opportunities. And um, so this morning, I'm going to talk briefly about seizing or taking control of that moment that's sitting right in front of us. And so this morning, as we get into, we're going to talk in Acts chapter 3 is where we'll be for this morning. And then we'll get into Acts chapter 4 next week. But in Acts 3, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm going to hit some... Uh, based some real general history here on Acts chapter 3, but there's a lot of things that have just recently taken place. If you know much about the church history, you know that just recently, right before Acts chapter 3, we had the, the, the Pentecost had just taken place. Right before Pentecost, we know that Christ was hung on a cross and ascended into heaven. We know that all of those things took place. Christ has been dead for, or had been 
off of the earth, so to speak. He's been gone for about two months, two to three months by this time here in Acts chapter 3. And a lot of stuff was going on. I imagine that for those that were with Christ on a regular basis, they were on this emotional roller coaster. They were one day walking with Christ. The next day, Christ was hanging on a tree. Some of them had denied Him. Some of them have left Him. And now after this, they had, they had, most of them had came back together to, the, to preach Pentecost and be a part of the things that are going on. For some, it was a loss of a close friend, a loved one. For some, they were in the midst of screaming and yelling, crucify Him, crucify Him to be put on a cross. I had imagined at this time there's some of those same people that were at one point screaming, crucify Him, crucify Him, that were now in the audience or in the, in the city, the town of Jerusalem, that were probably kind of scratching their head going, you know what, I think we probably did the wrong thing. And we know some of that to be true as some of the as they were on the cross and, and Jesus was on the cross and the, the, the earthquake took place and the darkness that came. And I'm sure some of them at that point said, you know what? That probably wasn't the right thing to do. But we've got a number of different emotions that were taking place. Again, you've got to imagine we're, we're coming out of Pentecost and we know that thousands had accepted Christ and were joined into the church at this point. And so if you can imagine... Thousands of people all at one time accepting Christ. And imagine the excitement and the passion and the, the, the joy, the pe- whatever was going on at this time. I can imagine that there was a lot of emotion going on. And we see here in Acts chapter 3, and we'll read it in just a minute, but we see here in Acts chapter 3, there was a man that lay, a beggar that lay at the gate before going into the temple. And can you imagine... Think about this guy. He's been lame from birth. And he stood at the temple or he sat at the temple or what. I don't, I don't know what he did. If he was laying, if he was in a chair, if he was what. But this man was at the temple gate every single day. And over the course of the last couple months, he had just witnessed Pentecost and the, the people that were flooding through and the people that had passed him and the emotions that he had saw and the things that he had seen in people that he probably hadn't seen in a long time. Let me ask you this question. How many of you go about your everyday, regular business that you do, but never see the moment or see the opportunity that sits right in front of us? Every day, most of you go through the same exact routine. Most everybody in this room would say, I wake up pretty much the same time every day, You get out of bed, and whatever your routine is, is what your routine is. Whether you jump in the shower first, whether you pray and read your Bible, whether you go eat, whether you do whatever your getting ready morning routine is, most of us have the exact same get ready routine every single day. The only time mine changes is if I have to take the kids to school. So instead of coming straight here, I go to drop them off at school, then I come here. But every other day, everything is pretty much the same for me. You drive by the same people, you see the same houses, you see all the same things, we do all the same things. How many times do we miss a moment or miss an opportunity that's right in front of us because we don't even realize it? Have you ever been through the same routine and then one day you looked up and you go, hey, did you ever notice that was sitting there? 
to your wife or your spouse or somebody goes, yeah, that's been there for about six months to a year. Man, I've never even paid attention to that. Why? Because we get so wrapped up in our own things. Most of us could drive, to drive if we didn't have cars in front of us, we could drive to wherever it is that you're going without even closing your eyes and blindfolded. We're so routine. Just like these folks here. We're so routine. They saw this blind man every single day. It wasn't like they just happened to go to the temple to pray. No, they did it morning, noon, and night. Every day they did the same thing, and this same man was there at the same spot. Why they saw something different on that day, I don't know. But oftentimes, we so often miss out on the opportunities that stand right in front of us. And this morning, I want to share really some of my heart as I was studying through some of these passages here. And also what I feel as a church that where we are. Some of you may agree, you may disagree, but I would say from where I get the opportunity to sit on a daily basis, I feel that we as a church are sitting in one of those moments or in an opportunity that if we really look at it and we really see it and we really see what's going on, we're sitting in that opportunity or in that moment where we can seize it and take it or we're going to watch it right, pass right by us and we're going to go, man, what happened? Let me share with you what I mean by that. Some of you aren't here every day, but I get the opportunity to be here every day and every single day I get the opportunity to hear hundreds of kids running around in that gymnasium in this back hallway. Every single evening I get the opportunity, well I'm not here every night, but I get the opportunity oftentimes to see kids running around that gymnasium playing basketball and playing volleyball and doing other things. I get the opportunity to answer phone calls of people that are calling our church to ask about different ministries or different things that are taking place within our ministry and the different opportunities that are arising. And as I was studying, as I was talking and kind of talking this all out, and I started to think about the opportunities and really truly seizing the moment, I had to stop and I had to think about Oasis Baptist Church and the moment that sits right in front of us. We can, we can look around and go, well, there's not enough people. Well, there's not enough this. Well, there's not that. Well, there's not this. There's not this thing or that thing or all of the things that we can sit and go, well, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. But I look outside of, our, of my office, I get the chance to look up on a daily basis and see hundreds of kids running in a gymnasium, and I think, that's an opportunity. I'm here in the evenings, oftentimes I stop in or things are going on, there's a, a gentleman that cleans our building. His name is Christian. And every time I see Christian, I try to make it a point. If I see his truck, I go find him somewhere in the building. Christian, how you doing? Last week I asked Christian, Christian, do you go to church? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? I don't know why the Lord brought Christian to our building. Christian told me, yes, he goes to church, and yes, he knows the Lord is his Savior. But you can ask anyone in the office and ask my wife. Christian was on my radar, and I was going to make sure that I knew if Christian was going to heaven. Why? For whatever reason, Christian is in our property every single day cleaning our building. 
there was an opportunity. There's an opportunity as I pass by coach after coach that coaches kids in our gymnasium. There's an opportunity in a couple of weeks we're going to have hundreds of people on this property partnering with the school to do a big trunk or treat thing. Ah, well, it's just a bunch of kids. No, here's the reality. It's a moment. It's an opportunity. It's something that we get every single day. And are we going to take advantage of what God has placed us right in the midst of? Well, that's not me. That's not... I get the chance to sit up there. And as I was studying, as I was reading, and as I was looking, and I was praying, and I was going through this, I stopped and I had to ask myself, Aaron, are you seizing the moments and the opportunities that are right in front of you? And I'm seeing it every day. Oftentimes, I think as a church, we miss out. And so this morning, I'm going to challenge us as a church, and then we'll continue this thought into next week with boldness. But yes, you can seize the moment. What are you doing right now to look or to take advantage of moments or opportunities that are right in front of you? How are you responding to those things? If we would take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 3, some of you are already there. Why don't we go ahead and stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read a, a few verses of Scripture. And then we'll get into the points of the message. And we'll get out of here this morning. Acts chapter 3, we'll start in verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up, to, went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat, at, sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the day that you've given to us. I thank you for the, the moment that you've given us that we can worship you. Lord, I ask that you would use this morning's message to open hearts. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you, that they'd come to know you this morning. Father, I pray that you'd be with us now. In your name that I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So this morning, as we jump into Acts chapter 3, talking about seizing the moment, the first point is really pretty simple. Act on the moment. The question might be, well, what do we have to do to seize the moment? What do we have to do to, to recognize or to do all these things? But the reality is most of us see what's going on around us, and the simple question or the simple answer would be, act on it. 
We see people every day that are in need. We see situations every day that arise around us. Just act on it. Verse number 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Again, I kind of briefly went into all of this, but this gentleman, lame from his mother's womb, was carried and laid, it says, daily at the gate of the temple. I don't know about you. I've never been in the spot to be a beggar. And maybe he was at the worst possible location to be a beggar. But I would think he was probably at a pretty good spot. He's in front of a church. All of the religious church people are going to go in there, and they're the people that are nice and loving and giving. And he gets to sit by and watch those people enter three times a day. And so as he sits there every single day, begging, asking of these people. If you go back through, if it says he was laid at the gate daily, this was just two, three months after Jesus Christ had been put on a cross and rose again. I can only imagine that The disciples went by him pretty much every day. Christ himself probably walked by this man. He probably received some gifts from them. I don't know if Christ ever said anything to him, but you can imagine at some point in this guy's life, living in this area, in this day and age, at some point he probably said to himself, Why can't I be healed? What is going, why, why is it that he had to have been a part of witnessing people raised from the dead and, and people that were blind that could now see and all of the things that we read about, he had to have seen some of those things that took place. At some point he probably asked, or maybe we just asked, why in the world, why didn't he just say, Jesus, uh, Heal me. I don't, I don't know. And I'm not saying that nobody ever up to this point sees the moment of this blind or this man, this lame man. Maybe at one point Jesus walked by him and said, One day you'll be healed. Who knows? I don't know what took place. It's not written. All of the details of every day of his life weren't in there. But I can only think and I can imagine in my mind that Christ had to walk by this guy. Some these men had to walk by him. Maybe it was just one time Christ said, Sir, one day you'll be healed. One day you'll rise and walk. As he walked by him. I don't know. But we see here. A couple months after Christ had died. We see here. We're at the tail end of Pentecost having just taken place. Thousands of people. 
And in verse number 3, who seeing Peter, the lame man looked up and saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, with John said, look on us. Now, at this point in a beggar's life, my assumption is, yes. I'm going to get something. All this man does, he begs so that he can have food. He doesn't live in today's age with wheelchairs and with all the accesses, even of, of physical handicaps that we have today. This man in this day and age was pretty much stuck to doing exactly what he's doing. And he's done it all of his life. And so when he sees Peter and John walking by and Peter and John stops, catches his eyes and looks right at him in the eyes and says, Hey, look on us. This dude is like, whoo, dinner tonight. To then get to this point. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. How depressing. I walk to the blind, or to the, I keep saying blind man. I walk to the beggar. Look at him. I don't know if he shook his hand. I don't know if he stuck any, I don't know what he did. But he looked at him and he said, as their eyes met, he said, look on us. And the next thing he says was, silver and gold have I none. then what do you want? Why are you here? I get phone calls on a regular basis up in the office. Need to speak to the pastor. I answer the phone. Hello, this is Aaron. Can I help you? Are you the pastor? Yes, you asked for the pastor and I answered the phone. That would be me. Um, and I could pretty much just lay it all out and some of you have had those conversations, but... I don't normally do this, but I'm, I'm down and out. And uh, I don't get paid until Thursday, and it's Monday. And I need $64.32 to pay my rent or to pay the hotel bill or whatever it would be. I want to help every one of those people that call. The reality is I can't. The other reality is I really can't. I have... No, I don't even have a key to the finance office, let alone get in it. I don't, I don't know where anything is in there. I'd be lost. I'd have to go through just like any of you, like a robber. Like, where is it? I'd open up everything. I don't have access to anything. But you're the pastor. I'm sorry, I don't have access. Let me talk to some men and we can give you a phone call. I hate saying that to those people. But here's why I say that. This man is the people on the other end of that phone call. I want money. I need money. I need help. Don't you understand? I'm, in, I'm down and out. He's begging. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, I don't have it. He had to have just went. <sighs> but what does he say? The very next thing that comes out of 
Peter's mouth. But such as I have, give I thee. And the whole point of this first point is this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. As I started to think, and as I prayed, and as I studied, and as I was looking at all of these things, and talking about boldness was in my mind, and thinking of all of this stuff. A couple things. One, could I legitimately look at somebody that's in need and say, hey, look on me. Am I spiritually in a place to say, look on me. I want to help you. I want to do everything I can for you. Are you in that place? But then the next thing that came to my mind was, it's not about silver and gold. The help that I can offer anybody that would ever call our office or any of you that were coming to a church or anybody that walks by or drives by or anything within this town has nothing to do with silver and gold. But it has to do with what Peter said next, which was, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It doesn't have to do with silver and gold. So let me say this. This is what really kind of just captured my whole thought for most all of this message. We are in the moment. Listen, guest, church member, attendee, young, old, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. We are in the moment and it's staring us right in the eyes. Every person is looking for something. This community is looking for something. Las Vegas is looking for something. Your neighbor is looking for something. Your family, your relatives are looking for something. We are in a hurting spot. People are hurting. People are fighting. People are bickering. People, we, we look on the news and it's everywhere. And we want to say, well, it's in God's hands and whatever happens, God has, it's all under His control. And that's true. I just think oftentimes... Sorry if you don't say it like this, but I feel oftentimes we as Christians just say, well, it's just in God's control. God has it all under control. And then we do nothing else about it. We don't believe in our heart that God has it all under control. We don't act in our lives as if God has it all under control. But we, we put it on Facebook, oh, it's in God's hands. Oh, it's this, and everybody needs to know that we're super Christians because things are tough and all on and on and on and on. no. Live like God's in control. Act like God's in control. Seize the moment. Listen, we live in a day and age where the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is not the popular thing to say. If you didn't know, they're trying to take it off of the dollar bills and off of our coins and out of the courthouse and out of everything that we have. And here's the only thing that we have is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Listen, for the people that live in Whitney in this paradise community that are right outside of our doors, the only thing that we have to offer them, church, is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I can't offer you money. I can't offer you things, but I can give you Jesus Christ, and that's all that we have. Yes, you can. Seize the moment. 
The moment's right in front of us. Our world is crashing in front of us. We all talk about it. You all post it on Facebook. Oh, it's in God's hands. Now get on your feet. Get out there. Go do something about it. But we're... That might really hurt somebody's feelings if I say in Jesus Christ's name. Thanks for making a noise because it was really quiet. But we have to seize the moment. I get. I I look around and I see where we are and I see the I, I see the things. But people are hurting. And just like this beggar, the only thing that we have to do, the only thing that we can offer them is is what? Jesus Christ. And I know we're going to get to it. People don't want that. Not everybody wants that. But that's the only thing I can offer them. I don't have finances. I don't have things. I don't have much, but here's what I've got. Just like Peter, all I have, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Second point this morning is evidence of the moment. As we continue reading on this passage, and many of you have a similar story to something like this man. You may not have been lame as far as not being able to walk. But in verse number 7, And he took, took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. There's evidence any time the moment is seized. Every time that we seize a moment, there's evidence. As I look around here, I know some of your salvation story, others of you I don't know. But for many of you, I can look at your salvation story, I can look at your life, and I can know that there was a day church was not in your vocabulary. God was not in your vocabulary unless it was a curse word. Sunday morning, getting up early in the morning to come to Sunday school was not a part of your daily routine. Because I know stories. There's evidence behind your life to say that there was an almighty God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that allowed you to rise up and walk another day. Like I said, you may not be the blind or the lame man that, that was jumping up and down, leaping and walking and running. Could you imagine that? Think about it. I can imagine maybe man is his 20s, 30s, never having walked. All of a sudden, Peter reaching down, grabbing his hand. What must that guy have thought? What must he have thought? Are you going to hold me? What are you about to do? He reaches down, picks him up. Having never stepped on his two feet before. 
Now his ankle bones are healed, his legs are strengthened, and he stands there for the first time ever. I would imagine I might jump around and leap myself. I may run around in circles. I may do something. But when we take a hold of the moment that sits right in front of us and we seize the moment, there's going to be an evidence of that moment. This man wasn't about to let these men out of their sight. He accepted the moment he was in. Everyone in the city was following this group. If you continue to read on, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was, the, was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate. They knew that man. They watched him. They saw him every single day. Now he's walking around. Now he's jumping, he's leaping, and he's praising God. Would you have known how to respond? As we act upon the moment, people's lives change. People come to know Christ. People become healed. Marriages that were falling apart become back together. As people were, were once alcoholics, now are no longer alcoholics. People that were once angry are no longer angry. People who were once bitter are no longer bitter. Lives change when we accept and we take a hold of the moment. When God steps in and Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk, when that happens in our lives, whether it's from a lame man or it's a lame man spiritually speaking, evidence takes place. And when that happens, people want to know what's going on in that man's life. I'm sure for some of you, and I know the stories of some, I could walk to you and I could say, hey, tell me a story of somebody that you used to hang out with and tell me what they would say about you today. Some of you might go, well, church? There's no way that guy's in church. I can't believe what that guy did. On Friday, we went and got out, and we went and got drunk, and we hung out at the bar, and on Sunday, this guy went to church, and on Monday, he came back, and he wasn't the same guy anymore. That's some of your story in this room. The evidence of the moment that somebody seized in one of our lives. For this man, it was walking in front of hundreds, in front of thousands And here's what blew me away as I read this. And they knew that it was he which sat sat for alms at the beautiful gate in verse 10 of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly, wondering or in amazement. This is what blew my mind. They were in Jerusalem. They watched Jesus Christ walk and talk nearly every day. They saw the miracles take place every day. They saw people walk. They saw people that were blind that were now seeing. They saw people who could not hear that could now hear. They saw it. They witnessed it. They saw people being raised from the dead. Now all of a sudden, they come and Peter holds out his hands, 
pulls a man up and says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And all of these people walk around this man and go, what just happened? What just took place? How does this take place? How does this happen? Can I ask you as an individual, we as a church, are you so comfortable with where you are that when you're in the midst of a miracle, you go, what's that? How does that even take place? What did I miss? And you missed all of it. I think the church in the United States of America is so comfortable in which the miracle in which it sits that we don't even understand or realize when something smacks us right in the face and sitting right there. Because we look at it and we go, well, how did that just happen? We don't pray for things that are much bigger than what we can do ourselves. We don't seek God for things which are much bigger than what we can accomplish within ourselves. And we're so comfortable, just like many of those people were. They saw Jesus do all those things every day. They saw the disciples do that stuff every day. It wasn't any big thing. Now Jesus is gone. Well, how does that happen? What's going on? They're in the midst of seeing thousands and thousands and thousands give themselves over to Christ and accept Jesus Christ. And they go, Well, what just happened? Just like many of us do. We don't even, we don't, we don't pay attention that you're sitting in the middle of a miracle. Well, not really. No, you are. The fact that you came to church today in this building that is paid for, that all of the bills are paid, is a miracle by God. Well, that's not too confident. That doesn't make me feel good. Well, guess what? That's the story of life. You're sitting in the middle of a miracle that there's a church on this property. And we go, well, I don't like what they're doing with their money. I'm sorry. The reality is we are so comfortable that we don't even see the miracle that we sit in. Those people were so comfortable that they didn't even understand. They were amazed and wondering, how in the world did this guy just get up and walk? They lived it every day. The next part, point three, is rejection of the moment. And really, this is what would start to take place in my mind as I was going through this whole thought of boldness. What Peter and John did was not bold. What they did after they just took a hold of the moment was bold. And we'll get into that next week. But the rejection of the moment. This is what most of us really don't like. This is when boldness kicks in. This is when we really have to have an answer for all the things that God is doing. This is when we have to look around and then answer for all those things. Because all of this took place. They look and they say, what's going on? And in verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? 
Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? He looks at them, the group of people that had gathered, and he said, what are you looking at? As if we did this on our own. You know we didn't do this on our own. We're not holy enough. We're not righteous. We don't have the power to do that. And in verse 13, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. In his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And they look at these people and they say, you know the God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You know that God? You know Jesus Christ, the one that you all denied, the one that you just put on the cross. That's the God. That's the reason that this man rises up and walks. That's the reason why this has taken place. You know that. And in the midst of all the rejection and in the midst of, midst of the things and people going, what's going on? How did this take place? Peter and John stand up boldly and they say, listen, you know what's going on. And in the midst of rejection is when boldness steps in. Listen, I'm sorry if I just burst your bubble and I hurt your feelings, but coming to church is not very bold. There's about 15,000 people across the street that'll do it today and last night. A couple hundred of us. There's thousands of thousands of thousands of people within Las Vegas, Nevada that are sitting in churches right now or have been in church all weekend. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Being in church is not being bold. There's a lot of people that do it. If being in church was being bold, you would not live in the United States of America where we all go, I wonder why God's being taken out of everything. Because there's a whole lot of people that sit in church on Sunday morning that do absolutely nothing when they leave church on Sunday morning. Being bold is when we're rejected by the outside world when we stand in front of them and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That is on Monday or tonight or whenever it is that you go to work or you're in the midst of your family and you take a stand and do what you're supposed to do. Seizing the moment is what we're supposed to do. Peter and John did what they were supposed to do by looking at the man and saying, I can help you and I help you. Seeing the evidence after that is just God. When I have an opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord or when you have the opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord and you watch their life completely change, you seize the moment God did His thing. The part that hurts is afterwards when we now really have to live that life. It's not easy. 
when we're rejected, when people don't like what's going on, when people don't, don't, they're not about it for us. Most people don't really care if you go to church. But when you live it in front of them is when they don't like it. When you act a certain way is when they don't like it. We have seen the blessing that we are in or that we are now entering in. Let me, let me go back because I got ahead of my notes. We are in a country that was founded on God, but not a country living by God. I believe to some, re- some degree we have seen the blessing, but we are now more than ever entering into that rejection of Christ within the mainstream of who we are as a country. We are now in the times of now we are now having to go back to explain to who God is. There's people that live beside you that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ and do not know that there is one name under heaven whereby which we all must be saved. In our country, we go, wow, really? Yeah. And I believe some of that is as we were blessed by God, When the rejection started taking place, it is so much easier to cower back and say, oh, well, you mean there's only one way to heaven? Yeah, there's only one way to heaven. But it's a whole lot easier to go, well, I believe that there's only one way to heaven. And we kind of scour it off or cower back and say, well, I I kind of feel that this is the way that it is. Instead of actually standing firm on the principle of God's word. And we do these things over and over and over again. I do them. You do them. We all do them. As the rejection of seizing the moment takes in its full effect. And this morning, as we wrap up, We'll get into the power of a lot of this next week, and we'll get into some of the more depth of the boldness next week as we get into Acts chapter 4. But the heart behind this morning is we sit with people all around us not understanding why the pain that they deal with. Why am I dealing with hurt? Why do I deal with hardships? Why do we have suffering? Why do we have these things? And and people all around us are really begging for somebody to put their arm around them and share with them the hope that you have. People all around us are really just begging. I don't know of a time where I've invited a family member or a friend to church where they looked at me and just laughed and just smacked me in the face. You know, most people that I've ever invited to church have been very cordial, except if you go door knocking late at night and you're with Troy Richardson. Because he's six foot whatever and really big standing at the door. But you know, most people are pretty friendly when you invite them to church. Statistically, over 80% of those that you invite will come. But you know, even beyond that, 
I was reading a book just the other day, and I've talked to many of you. People in your workplaces know your stance as to who you are and what you are. And most all of you that I know of, when people are going through hard times, where do they go? To you. The hardest heart at your workplace, if they know that you know Jesus Christ and you take a stand for who you are and for what you stand for, when they're hurting, they'll, they'll slide one of these. Hey, uh, would you pray for me this week? Right? I've heard your stories. I've read books. I've read lots of things. When they know what you stand for, when they lose a loved one, When times are tough at home, they'll give you a little, uh, hey, could we talk after work? Could I get about five minutes of your time during lunch? It might start with a barely brushing by and going, could you pray for me? And that conversation leads. Why? Because you seized a moment at some point in your work. And people recognize and realize, hey, that man, that woman believes. And they have something. And in their tough time, they were okay. And in that certain circumstance, they were okay. The evidence of the moment that was seized in your life now rings true in the people that you were around. And when they hurt, they come to you. And then we go, hey, let me share with you. Let me do this. Hey, prayed for you this week. I got that opportunity just a couple days ago. I saw somebody. I said, hey, how you doing? I heard you were in the hospital and things are doing okay. We were praying for you and your family. I know the man doesn't want to have to do anything with church. I know that. But you take those moments. The man that was in heart surgery just a few weeks ago, now he's walking around. Hey, prayed for you. God's good. Church, individual, can I challenge you? This afternoon when you go to lunch, tomorrow when you get ready and you're going to work, Maybe, if nothing else, that this message did for you. Look for opportunities that you can seize on a moment. They're all around us. Please don't come back to me next week and say, Pastor, I gave away all of my money and everything that I had to that homeless person. That is not what I'm after, just so you know. But when moments and when opportunities arise in your life, Look at them right in the eyes, just like Peter and John did, and say, hey, I really don't have much. But in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? One, that's all that we got. And I can give you a million bucks, but if you don't have that, I never helped you out one bit. Look for opportunities. Seize the moment this week. With every head bowed, every eye closed.